Lord, we give you this worship, and we just bow down before you. Um, God, speak to us, speak into us your word, and open our eyes, Father, uh, just from this gravitational pull to be inward focused, to be about our lives and our agendas, and, and God, that we don't need to try, but our hearts gravitates inward when we're not watchful, and God, in you, may we always be able to see what you're doing, what's around us, and may we enter in, whether it's local or global. And God, forgive us and we repent if we idolize comfort and safety above all things. And may we be able to follow and heed your call to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow you. May that be more than just a nice thought or something beautiful, but may that be our very life. And God, uh, speak to us about parents and speak to us about what the church looks like in, in family and may your word come alive through your Holy Spirit. These things we pray, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Uh, we are going through Ephesians and that morning's message was for obviously the, the children and this part is part two for the parents. So uh, we are going through Ephesians and Last week, just to re reflect, uh, the society was really brutal to women 2,000 years ago. Uh, women were married, divorced, at will, in the Jewish culture. If you didn't please your husband, the husband could say, see you later, and the woman could never do anything about it. Um, women could never divorce their husbands, but the men can. And in that context, Paul comes up as a Jewish person himself, now in Christ, who says, husbands, I want you to love your wives. I want you to die for them. I want you to be a servant to them. And as they do that, wives, I'm going to tell you something crazy. Would you look to your husbands and show them submissive love? So this is something beautiful as they mutually submit to one another that they both die. And that works for 21st century really quick. Husband and wives, if you're married, the best way to live is not how can I, uh, what do I get from you, but it's how can I die and how can I make your life? How can I make you shine? And that mutual submission that there is this love. So we go to children and man, you would think children would be uh, kind of protected from this generation. Let me give you a quick backdrop. 2,000 years ago, if you're a child, you did not have a good life. <laughs> not like today. You see our children, we, we have helicopter moms today. So if a kid falls, moms are like, whoa, 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 whoa. My, my princess, you know, we're so protective of our children. 2,000 years ago, this is how the society in Rome treated children. If you were not able to pay debt, MasterCard, you owe $10,000, I can't pay debt, you would sell off your children. Wouldn't even think second of it. Here's my oldest daughter. She's kind of, she's pretty. She's able to work. Take her. Bye, honey. This is how it goes. And then in that society, when children disobey their parents. It happens here today, too. Disobey their parents. They could kill their children, no recourse. Father could say to them, I will kill you, and literally he would kill them. Children had no rights. Children were possessions, and children were just used. Now, occasionally you will find parents who were parents, um, but there was a letter that I read from, from Rome, and this guy says, you know, honey, my beloved, I can't wait to come home to see the birth of my child. I hope you and the household are doing well. By the way, if your child is a boy, bless that child. If it's a girl, throw her out to the street. I can't wait to see you. 
verbatim. And what's so scary about that is not that throw the baby out, but in the context of how just natural it was. Hey, if it's a girl, we'll just work on another one. Let it die in the street. It was so bad that in the center of cities, they would have communes where babies would be dropped off. And whether they died, it didn't matter. So kids, people would come in, and you know who would be the first to scoop them up? Brothels. You know who would be the second? Slave owners. And then occasionally you might have, occasionally, a good parent who would pick them up. In this context, Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is a first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So let me go into really quick. I want to go to parents, but children, how many of you are children? Trick question. All of us were. I don't care if you're 125 years old. You were a, you're a children of somebody. Yes? Does that make you feel young? Just for that, it's worth coming to church today. You are, all, we're all children. In this context, the word is to young children, technon, for little children. So he is directing at specifically little children, and, but he's tying that obedience to honor your mother and father. Now, it's funny. The fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments does not say love your mother and father. It does not say trust your mother and father because some parents are not worth loving in all respect, and some parents are not worth trusting. But it's so interesting that God uses the word honor because you know why? You could have a manipulative, cruel, stubborn parent. And what God is saying is they may not be good, but you could still honor them. So how do you honor them, for example? Honor means esteem. It means not necessarily doing everything they say, not, not letting them run over you, but you could still say, stop, I will not let you abuse me, but I want you to know because I follow Christ and God is king, I can still honor you. Just an example, just to give you a little more tangibility. Let's say you have the worst parents. Well, let's say you have great parents. How do you honor them? One is acknowledge them with gratitude in your life. Say to them, I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but I do appreciate all that you've done for me because I'm 32 here. I'm 30. I'm not 32, but I'm saying, like, I'm, and I'm here. Thank you. Another way to honor them, I'm finding this out. Oh, my goodness. When your parents live 3,000 miles away, you know what their gift is? You know what they love? You know this, right? Because we got half of our church's grandparents. What do you love the most, I, I think? That random phone call from your grandchildren or children, you know? When I call my mom, she's, like, so happy, and I like doing it randomly. You don't have a set day Monday night at 12. I like to mix it up a bit. And then she's like, oh, and like she, she spazzes out for a few seconds. But you know, when you call them, children and young adults, middle age, what you're doing is you're honoring them. You're still in my life. And there are times when I'm so busy, I forget to call them for two weeks. And my father calls me and says, is everything okay? We haven't heard from you. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Forgive me, dad. I, I, just, want, I just forgot to check in. So just calling them, it's not hard, right? You don't have to go to do some climb mountains. All you just acknowledging who they are. Sometimes we honor them by reflecting in your life some of the good things you learned from them. You may not like your parents. You may not agree with them. They may persecute you for being a Christian or for just maybe doing what you feel in the Lord is right. And then you can still honor them by saying this, you know, Dad, I know we don't get along, but 
I've learned what it means to be responsible from you, and I can't thank you for that, enough for that. You know, Mom, I, I, I didn't know what it meant to care and look out for people, but I learned it from you. Wow, thank you, Mom. And that you're honoring them, and in that, you don't need necessarily need to listen to everything they say. Some of us are like, well, if I obey my parents and do everything, then they, they, got, my, they got their hooks in me. And then you say, you could listen to them without, without disobeying. So what Paul is saying is to children in Christ, if you love Jesus and you know what he's done for you, obey your parents and it reflects that you esteem them and that you desire to listen to God. So fathers, so some mothers are like, yay, we're off the hook. Yes, there, uh, some commentaries say, why did he only put fathers? But generally they all agree. It's, it's for parents in general as well. Parents, he says one negative, one positive command, and within the positive, there's two specific instructions. So we're going to just talk about that. One negative, do not provoke your children to anger or do not exasperate your children. His, the first negative thing is don't get them so worked up that you anger them and you make them resent you. By the way, half of you guys, I'm sure in here, have been to that, that road or maybe you're living that road. I pushed it so much that my children will not want to speak to me. Or I push it so much that my children are abused, like fear, afraid of me. Or, and what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, one thing we're not going to do is this. Treat our children in such a way that it provokes wrath. That's the actual word. Uh, he says in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I learned that. Man, sometimes you get angry, right, parents? And you're like, Oh, I am going to let them have it. You know, we've heard this before. Moms are like, I think I heard it in many families. Moms are like, well, you're in trouble. And they're, well, till your dad gets home. No. You know, that was, that was our family. You know, mom's like, and then when my mom brought in my father, it was like, oh, game on. Sorry, mom, what do we need to do? And for some reason, that works sometimes, and sometimes we have to be watchful that it may be a little too much. Uh, I just want to share, parents, do you really, I think what Paul is saying is, you don't want your children to listen to you because they're afraid of you. Parents, you don't want to raise children so that they listen to you out of fear. <laughs> I think we all know that. And yet, this is what Paul is saying, relevant to the first century and also 21st century. I brought you into this world, and I will take you out. So help me, God. He will strike thunder upon you, and if you don't clean that up, and then we're like, oh, yeah, got him to do it, and they're being obedient, but what are you doing? We're provoking them to anger and fear. Wait till what happens. If you raise your child like that, what happens when they become 18? And then I heard this. You raise your children like that, what happens when you're 90? Who's going to take care of you? And your children are like, remember those times? No, they won't. Hopefully not. But, and I just want to probe into this. And I, this is, I am not one of those Christian psychologists, and I'm not trying to be. But I thought about what makes parents get so angry that we want to crush the children and get so angry that it's not discipline, but it's like wrath. And our children have that look in their eyes like they're scared. Maybe if this is you, if, if this is not you, then let it roll over. But if this is you... You know, just a couple of thoughts. Maybe we lost self-control. 
you cross that line where you, you don't have self-control. You're stressed, you're tired, you don't know how to control yourself. That's, that's a serious problem. Maybe you're one of those parents who, out of like excuse of, well, I work so hard and I'm allowed to just blow up once in a while. Really, but does that work? Maybe another one is, maybe you're a control freak. Maybe you're simply, you're a control freak. Um, sometimes we plan to control our children. And sometimes in 21st century, I see this a lot, we control our children to the point that they're still dependent on us even when they're 50. So we raise them in a way that they need me. And we'll go into that a little bit. And last week, the verse was, Paul says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The biblical model of parenting is that you see your child one day get married, and then husband and wife, they make decisions. They are their own authority. But in America, a lot of us, we want control. You do everything I say. But I love you. It's because it's good for you. No, it's not. You got some control issues. <laughs> see, the biblical model for fa raising family is not that you control them. Paul says, answers it in the next half. We'll get to that in two seconds. So it's not just for marriage. Well, the parents' role is to give their children dependence, independence from them and ultimately dependence on something else, namely Jesus Christ. So another reason why we have this is a lot of us have unresolved baggage. Um, there's a book called Generation to Generation. It's a thick book um, about how one generation's sins just keeps piling on another. And sometimes a lot of us, we, we think we're parents. There's a saying, it's easy to become a dad, but it's hard to become a father. It's easy to become a dad. Hey, that's, in today's world says, that's the fun part. But it's another thing to become a father. And in generation to generation, we, we gladly make children, but that doesn't mean you're ready to be a parent. And you carry this baggage with you to your children. Abuse gets carried on resentment or projection of your resentment to your parents to your children in psychology they call that displacement so here here's a big thing and I, we can't go into this deep but just can i ask the church to do this yes just pretend you're awake just just have self-awareness what is driving my provoking my child's anger because this ain't discipline by the way you all know when you're disciplining and training them up in the Lord. And you know when you're cross the line. Yeah? And you got to ask yourself, what's going on here? So anyway, so that's a negative. Paul is saying, don't exasperate your children. And then he says this, and this is the fun part, and then we'll wrap it up. Instead, bring them up in two things. Training and instruction of the Lord. Training in the Lord. The better word here is cultivate their soul training is such a bad word cultivate their character mind body and soul it's educating them and cultivating their souls by curbing passions or by correcting mistakes according to one commentary so let me give you a few things how do you cultivate your soul parents teach your children the fear of the lord proverbs twenty nine twenty five: the fear of man brings a snare but the one who trusts in the lord will be exalted Parents, teach your children to cultivate them by warning them against pride. This is a big problem. You're great. Everyone's a winner. You're special. You know what happens when they become corporate executives? 
and they still embezzle money from them, you learn, they learn that, hey, I could do anything and still be a champion. So I could do whatever. There's no repercussion. Everyone's a winner, and, you know, there's no discipline. <laughs> and this pride that we embed into our children that, hey, you are fantastic. That's good. There's encouragement. But then teach them about the warning against pride that you got to be careful that you think you're the most important person in the world. Um, guarding their heart, Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. When, when the Paul says, train up your children in the way that they should go, what he's saying is this. I think it's a good summary in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, when Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You want our children to watch us. Can you say that to your kids right now? I mean, don't, don't say it to your kids, but parents, can you, can you really say that to your kids? Watch everything I do because I am so tight with Jesus Christ that I am walking with him that if you watch me, I want to model for you what it looks like to be a Christ follower. If you can't say that, we're not training up our children and cultivating their heart for the Lord. Well, they're, they're going to be good athletes. They're going to go to good school. And what Paul is saying is eternally irrelevant. Do they have a fear of the Lord? Do they have understanding of God? Are they being prepared? So forming their character is this. Why would you train somebody? I train them so that they're dependent less on me eventually and they're dependent on God. My goal in my children, following the word of God, is this. Michelle, Jamie, and Ethan, when they become 18, Figuratively, but I want them to be at a point where, Dad, I know God. You're going to be in my life always, I know that. But even if something happens, thank you, because I have my rock, and he will never leave me, and his name is Jesus Christ. No man could hurt me, no woman could hurt me, no people could hurt me, because you have raised me up to trust and to follow the water, the living water, the living life. That's my goal. That's my passion. So that the kids don't go, Dad, I can't live without you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there for you. But it's rather, I want you to be less dependent on me because he's so much wiser, holier, and better. So that's training up. And then he says, so bring them up in, tra in training. And then lastly, bring them up in instruction of the Lord. Bring your children up to learn and depend on Jesus Christ. And instruction of the Lord is, are you teaching your kids how it looks like to study his word and to build up that relationship with God? Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I was reflecting on this driving today. I was going to post this on Facebook, but then I was like, it's corny out of context. But you know what the question I think God would ask all of us parents? By the way, if you're a parent and you're 80 years old, this all goes for you too. If you're a control freak, if you if you're idolize your children, or if you can't let them go and turn their dependence on the Lord, this goes for all of us. It's not for young parents. Got that, right? By the way, our, so our measure for God to us is this. It's not, are you good? That's how I think America does it. Like, are you a good person? I think Jesus doesn't ask, are you good? Some of us are like, I'm good. I go to church. I give offering, and I worship God. 
I think Jesus is going to ask all of us this question instead. Because Jesus says there's no one good, not one. Only he's good. So I think he won't ask, are you good? He knows that answer. What he'll ask us is, ready for this? Are you faithful? It's a different question, isn't it? Are you a faithful father? Are you a faithful mother? Are you a faithful child? So, as I kind of bring this down, the, what's the key here? If you guys go out and just become a better parent, what's the power here? And uh, the power here is this. Tim Keller says this, and I want to borrow from him. There's family here, right? Family is what? Unconditional. Come on, say it with me. Unconditional love. Jamie could say, Dad, I think you're a poopoo face. And then I would say to her, I didn't like that, but I still love you. <laughs> right? You know that, right? We love, family is unconditional love. How do you get back to unconditional love of your kids, breaking through exasperation, breaking through control? It needs to be redeemed by family love again. And what's the family love that God's given to us? He says he has made each of you adopted children through Jesus Christ. The way we find unconditional love for others is you are connected to the realization that you and I have been orphans, but now in Jesus Christ, he says, family. So here's a verse, Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. The way you can love your mom and dad if you resent them is through Christ's unconditional love. Parents, the way you could be a parent that shows unconditional love to your kids, by the way, not living your dreams through them, not living your idle life through them, it's that you love them unconditionally. They have nothing to prove to you. And this is what Paul is saying. It's changed. The whole story has changed. Um, I, was, I was not kidding about my mom. And I just said, you know, I, I used to be such a bad child. I was bad. So selfish. And then it took Jesus Christ. It took me realizing my parents work six days a week, 12 hours a day, no air conditioning and a dry cleaner. And I realized they do it because for, for me and my brother and sister. And I did not know that until I came to know the Lord and understood sacrifice. Now, some of you had the parents who sacrificed for you. And I realized I don't want to listen because I have to, but I want to listen because that's unconditional love. And Jesus has shown that to me. And with that love, I can love others. Fathers, mothers, train up your children in the ways of the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. And maybe it's a reminder to some. Maybe it's new. But Lord, we want to be that church that lives in a way that honors you and honors our parents. In the 21st century, it looks a lot different from 2,000 years ago, but we still have, maybe we flipped a little too much where children are our prizes and idols to a point that our dreams are in them and not for their dreams to be in you. And God, we ask that you would help us to parent in ways that redirect their dependence eventually fully on you. We repent for our loss of self-control, 
for our insecurities, for our feeling that we need to earn favor. And we acknowledge that in you, Jesus, we have all these things. So God, as a young dad myself, to fill with a room with a lot of parents and grandparents, God, teach us, guide us, biblical parenting. And God, open the doors that we would yearn for that. Thank you, Jesus, for being our bridge that we could be adopted into you. Thank you for your unconditional love. And through that and in that, we pray these things. Amen.